0: To the unbelievable podcast, I am BJ Ardell, back here with my guy Drew Maholt, and today we are talking about the likely end of the Minnesota Vikings' 2020 campaign. Um, as I am sure you're all aware at this point in time, the Vikings dropped you know, yesterday's game against Chicago by a final score of 33 to 27, uh, effectively eliminating them from the playoffs. They're not officially out yet, but um, it's it's as good as gone. So. Um, you know, it, it sucks. the The Vikings' season has essentially ended yesterday, and that's you know that's not a, that's not fun with you know time left on the regular season calendar, and um, you know a lot of things that probably need to change here this off season to get this team into a better position where you know they're not so far behind out the gate at one and five that it's next to impossible to come all the way back into a playoff position. So, uh, we'll spend today's show uh doing a couple different things so we're combining the two episodes for this week into one with the you know the christmas holiday and traveling and all that going on uh so we'll spend about 15 minutes or so here just talking about what happened yesterday against chicago the next 15 minutes uh, or so uh looking ahead to new orleans and trying to find anything that we can you know look for that makes watching this game still relevant to your life uh with the vikings eliminated from the postseason and then we'll finish up with our picks uh, so that's the game plan for today's show so Let's jump in here right away with this, uh, this loss to the Bears. So, like I said, final six-point deficit Vikings couldn't make up. Um, the Vikings did a lot of really good things in this game. They did have, had a lot of very timely plays, too. There's a lot to be, you know, excited about. Uh, but ultimately, again, they just couldn't get it done in crunch time when they needed to. And part of that is because they set themselves, you know, in the hole – uh, right out the gate and just couldn't quite climb all the way back into it.
1: Yeah, I think the defense is just too shorthanded right now. Uh, right. I mean, if you're letting Mitch Trubisky in the Bears' offense, which for at least the first half of the season and probably a little bit more was completely, you know, uh, inefficient, uh, you know, incapable for probably 10 weeks of the season, uh, and you let them march down the field as many times as the Vikings did, uh, you're, you're, you're not – you don't deserve a win. And I think that's ultimately what the deal is for the Vikings now. And I get it. You know, I still think Mike Zimmer's a good defensive coach. I think um, that he's a great play caller defensively. Um, I just think the personnel is just not there. Uh, I mean, I, I, I that some staggering numbers popped up, right? Uh, this, you know, that, that always happens the Monday after on Twitter. You see, like, the PFF grades, and you see all these right. types of updated efficiency numbers and whatnot. The Vikings have, um, you know, the their starting defensive tackle duo – uh, is bottom two in the league or is the two worst right now in terms of win rate uh, on the defensive line. Um, yep. Also uh, the Vikings sack leader right now is in Ngakwe. He played six games this year uh, for the Vikings and uh, he has more Viking or more sacks for the Vikings, uh, one and a half more sacks than anybody else that's still on the team. And so, and then you, of course you take out Eric Kendricks as well. And you know, you, you, you can see why a team uh, like the bears where, now, Trubisky's dynamic, I think. We we addressed it on the pregame show where he's mobile. Yep. Um, he's not super accurate throwing the ball. I think we saw that on several occasions. Um, but if you if, you if know an offensive coach like Nagy is able to scheme things and take advantage of weaknesses, of you can create easy throws for Trubisky, which there were a lot of in this game. Right. And so the Bears are to march down the field. David Montgomery, I, I said it all season. I think he's an underrated back. Um, and he took advantage of the Vikings as well. So... Uh, then you're kind of left with you know the Vikings playing for behind like you said and that's another thing we'll have to talk about too is you know I don't like trying to establish the run when you're down by two possessions in the second half and the Vikings were, were trying to do that especially when your passing game is as efficient as it is uh, throughout the whole season so a lot of issues there. I, I do agree with you. We'll get into the positives here. Um, I think, I mean, the, the two rookies right away are the are the key positives to take away. So you can kind of take it whichever way you want to, positives or negatives, which way you want to start with. But I think there are both that we should discuss here.
0: So there's a there's a lot to kind of go over just within what you said. I've got like four or five bullet points. Like I, The first thing that really stood out to me about what you said is you're talking about the, the personnel on defense. And I think that's, you know, that's an important piece that we need to highlight here because you know, you can't grade this team the same way in your mind as you would with Hunter, Kendricks, right. uh, Bar, etc. In the lineup, you have to grade what's on paper. And I don't know about you guys, but when I saw the starting lineup flash on the screen when I'm watching the game yesterday, I was like, Jesus, this is like, yo, this. If I'm any other fan, if I have no bias towards the Vikings, I'm like, this defense is trash. Just because there's two names on that list that you should know. And as a Vikings fan, we've probably gotten used to guys like Eric, Eric Wilson, Shamar Stefan, who's been around a while. You know, you, Fadio Denigbo because of his, you know, a bit of unusual name and his name pops up quite a bit in terms of replacements, but there's no one good other than those two guys. I said at the top, those Harrison Smith and Anthony Harris, who, by the way, not having a good year, kind of happy. We didn't pay that guy right now. Now, all of that being said, Trubisky and I said this a million times but I stand by it He's still bad a quarterback wasn't good yesterday made a critical error that should have lost him the game yes uh he was not good still not good 15 for 21 202 yards passing one and one I mean it's fine it's still not good so I stand 100% by what I said on the pregame show now what you said is also very important there that Matt Nagy was able to scheme around some things that were just able to get him some throws where he could use his legs and just throw into single coverage, basically wide open uh, because of the Vikings defensive personnel. And that made him may have given the appearance that Trubisky is you know, playing a little bit better than he has in the past. Now, I just don't think that's the case. I saw today on Twitter that there are people that are thinking about uh, Trubisky playing into a new contract, which I think is ridiculous to even to assert at this point. Let's get into the playoffs first, guys, before you start making that claim. Um, But I think the biggest takeaway here is what you said about Montgomery, who I don't – I didn't think was a very good running back. I didn't think he was good in college. I didn't think he was a good prospect. I thought he's slow. Uh, The broken tackles are fine. That's cool. But if you're breaking three tackles and only getting two yards, how important are those broken tackles? Now, it's kind of always my standpoint on David Montgomery. Now, he shut my mouth accordingly yesterday, carrying a big load – Uh, and keeping that offense moving forward, which you need to have when you have a quarterback like Trubisky. And keeping in mind that that interception by Dantzler, which, by the way, one of the biggest plays that he could make in his rookie season playing with this team, he made it in that moment. Uh, Something special there. Definitely feeling very good about that pick right now. Uh, But if he doesn't make that play, this game is even more out of hand, and that's largely because of Montgomery and him continuing to churn up yards, Mm -hmm. especially when the Vikings really needed to stop. Seemed like Montgomery was always getting yeah. those four yards. Seemed like it every time.
1: Right, and I mean that's yeah, that's exactly the point. You know, the Vikings offense. They, so once they got down, what ten points I think, right? Um, or, seven, or 17. I can't remember exactly what the biggest deficit was, but that's when okay, the Vikings offense started to pick it up, and kind of it was almost match for match, right? Vikings score, Bears score. Right. Vikings touchdown, Bears touchdown. Vikings field goal, Bears field goal. It kept kind of exchanging scores, and the Vikings just couldn't keep up because the Vikings, the defense couldn't stop Montgomery couldn't get uh, the bears offense off the field. And then they finally did get that stop the dance, their interception in the red zone. And suddenly the Vikings have a chance in this game. Um, but then I think one thing we should, I, at least I, I really want to hit on. Um, and I'm kind of transitioning with that interception to the, the drive really after that, with the Vikings, had, there was probably two, three minutes left in the game, something like that after the interception and, you know, you have, you have, you have time, uh, but I don't like how many times they tried to run the ball on that drive when you need to be efficient. And, you know, a two yard run when the clock is working against you, it doesn't help you in any way uh, because the clock keeps moving and there's essentially zero difference between, you know, okay, we're going to have, you know, instead of, well, it was what second and one, I, I just remember specifically that second and one, they ran it for no gain. A second and one, where you run it for two yards, get the first down, is very little difference to me between throwing an incomplete pass, having a third one, because you're going to go for it on fourth down anyway. And so it's just little things like that. I just I see no reason to establish the run. I get maybe one or two run calls, uh, maybe, maybe right before the two-minute warning, right, where you're going to get that clock stopped anyway, something like that. But the the need to run the ball when you're losing uh, in the game and need points, uh, you know, scoring the scoring points should be the priority over preserving the clock and, you know, running out the clock and, uh, and I guess, you know, maybe trying to trim the time that Trubisky has like, I just, I'm befuddled by the Vikings approach there. Uh, and it happened at Tampa Bay too the week prior. Let's keep that in mind as well. Vikings trying to come back in the game instead of being urgent about it, uh, trying to move the ball down the field efficiently and quickly through the air, they were trying to force Dalvin cook on the ground. Um, And again, that just takes too much time off the clock. And so when you do get a fourth down scenario and you don't get it, then you're left with no other option. So I just, that's my, you know, my issue with the Vikings trying to come back in this game and why, you know, for the longest time, I think we've figured the Vikings aren't a team that's built well to play from behind. I think a lot of that is because of the coaching philosophy of run the ball, run the ball, establish the run. And, you know, and then there's, they're, they're just taking so much, milking so much time off the clock that there's no other option.
0: So I think we can understand like what the Vikings coaching staff is thinking by doing this, right? Like it's not, they see the efficiency numbers and they see that they're getting about, at least in this game, about the same level of efficiency from Dalvin Cook at one point as they were getting from Kirk Cousins. So like you understand like where that comes from, what I think they're missing with this. And this is the point that you've laid out is that they forget that, you know, if you run the ball, you're running the clock. If you're right. passing the ball, you can you have greater control of the clock. If the pass is dropped or whatever, it just stops the clock. It's like the coaching staff forgets that. I Because I'm with you. Like, I, I don't understand it either because it's like you have – you've got a double – you've got a two-point – excuse me, a two-score deficit, whether it's 10 or 14, I don't care. And you're still running the ball on first and second down. You're milking a minute 20 before you even try to take a shot downfield. It just doesn't really make sense. Yeah. So,
1: well, and the other thing too, and this is, this might be a Kirk thing. I don't know this part specifically, but like when you're in a two minute drill, right. And you're trying to score uh, either. It could be before half. It could be at the end of the game when you really need points, like a couple of drives that happened yesterday and Kirk checks it down to the running back for five yards or throws a little, uh, you know, drag route for example uh, for five yards to the tight end or something. Uh, when the clocks working going against you, I'd rather an incomplete pass there. I don't need those yards because right. it takes 25 seconds off the clock to get everybody back to the line of scrimmage and run another play. Uh, I, I'd rather you just throw it into the dirt next to the guy and then try to run a play from the previous line of scrimmage with the clock stopped. So like, that's the type of thing, clock management that I see that, you know, maybe I'm in the wrong here. I maybe this, this isn't the right way to do it. This is why I'm simply a, you know, I'm out of the NFL. I'm out of football in general. I just talk about it on the show. That's it. Uh, but it's like, these are the things that I just see like there's no sense of urgency for this team. And I I, clearly it doesn't work last two weeks trying to come back from behind um, the offense. It's run out of time in both scenarios. They have run out of time. And the clear problem to me is that they're trying to run the ball too much in the second half when they're losing. And and I get it. Great running team. Dumb cook is one of the best runners in the NFL, but your chance of getting a big chunk of gain uh, a is way more likely passing the ball to just Jefferson or Adam Thielen by the way one of the best receiving threats right uh, duos in the league but also B. if the play doesn't work out the big chunk gain if it doesn't work out the clock stops preserves time and it gives you a better chance than losing or even gaining a yard or two on the run on the ground but the clock keeps moving so I don't know I, I just had to rant a little bit about that because I that's a huge problem for me and um I, I there's a reason the vikings there's we have no confidence in the vikings to come from behind in games and i think a lot of people associate it with kirk cousins but i think a lot of it needs to be you know we need to direct some of that blame to this establishing the run when down by double digits i just don't see the need for it
0: right right and that's just one of the many things that i mean there were like i said before there there are positives here and we'll pull from them but that's just one of the many things that contributes to a game where you only lose by one score it seems like a little thing right that efficiency but, like, when you lose by six points, you yeah, can point I mean, to it.
1: Here's the thing. Like, like this isn't – and I know there's more context that needs to be going to this. But an efficient passing team, right, like the Vikings, you know, at eight-something yards per attempt, right, give or take, um, you know, depending on turnovers and stuff. And especially when Kirk doesn't turn the ball over, that number can get up to nine, uh, you right. know, in terms of, like, the adjusted net yards per attempt, those kind of metrics. Uh, but you're talking about seven, eight, nine-plus yards per play uh, passing the ball. Running the ball, Dalvin Cook, he's regarded as very efficient, if I'm not mistaken, right?
0: One of the um, best, yeah.
1: And he is, his yards per carry is, you know, five to five oh. or five or something like that. So, like, just do just the from an s- efficiency standpoint, <laughs> passing the ball more often is more efficient. And I even go back to 2012, right? Adrian Peterson, 6.0 yards per carry, you know, one of the best rushing seasons of all time. Christian Ponder was the quarterback, and regarded as one of the worst passers in the league at that point as a starter, they were both 6.0 yards per attempt in their respective categories, passing and rushing. And I'm not saying, you know, that, okay, let's, let's sling it with ponder, but I'm saying a heavy run <laughs> offense is just way less efficient than a heavy pass it's offense. The worst, it's,
0: it's the worst passing offense, essentially. Yes, yes,
1: yeah, yeah exactly.
0: So yeah, that's that's definitely frustrating. And I think a lot of people can kind of resonate with that because we're watching the sc- we're watching the screen, we're watching the clock tick down. And it's like, what are you guys doing? And by the way, which this kind of bleeds into one of my bigger gripes with this game, um, was Irv Smith just didn't seem like he knew what he was doing the entire day. That drop
1: in the end zone sucked.
0: Okay, that sucked. That's the easy one, right? That's the one that was on TV for everyone to see. But how about the one where they had to call that stupid timeout? Mm, and- yeah. And Kirk is just screaming. Mike Zimmer is screaming. They had to call a timeout, and that was early third quarter. Would have been nice to have that timeout back late in the game. Um, but of course, like you have to have like those bonehead mistakes that are just like, you got to get up lined line up correctly, or I'm gonna make you're gonna make me miss Kyle Rudolph. Like, how does that? That's really frustrating to me that you know, we're this deep into the season and we're still having that type of mistake from, you know, a player that I thought was growing in a lot of different ways and has looked really, really good at times catching the football.
1: Yeah. You're no, definitely- he's a great receiver. I, there's, there's no qualms at a receiver. And um, it's, yeah, I mean, th- this is a young team. These growing pains are going to happen. Uh, and there's definitely, you know, when you get this many injuries and this much, uh, these many other things going on, it's, it's going to happen, right? Like I think Kirk's been pressured, um, you know, over 30% of his dropbacks in like 10 games a season, which is another issue that needs to be addressed as pass protection. I think also one thing to note, Stefanski leaving town is, you know, I think Vikings, we all kind of miss him a little bit. Watching the Browns go 10-4, watching Baker thrive the way he is, watching him, you know, Baker's protected pretty well too. And I think you're seeing how well Stefanski maybe hid some of that, that weakness last year with Kirk. But a lot of things you could talk about there, but I do want to, before we kind of talk about the Saints game, just bring up Dantzler, bring up Justin Jefferson, how good those guys are because it seems like the Vikings have hit those, hit on those two draft picks very um, – you know, I, I think we can pretty much say that at this point that those two guys are – they're pretty darn good hits there.
0: Um, you have to feel I it's, good I know about it's early.
1: It. I know it's early. But, like, you know, Justin Jefferson was, I think, the fifth receiver taken. He's the highest graded. Uh, rookie of, all, of any of any rookie and then if Dantzler is I think the highest graded cornerback in general the past three weeks he's being he's on a tear right now so you got to like those picks right now
0: okay so this is what I'll say on that I'm not going to call them hits yet I'm ready to call Justin Jefferson a hit because I think his game translates no matter yeah. what okay uh, but this does somewhat go for him as well I'm ready to say that you got your money's worth for 25 percent of the rookie contract That's what I'm ready to say. This is a a very successful season, regardless of what happens the last two weeks. Um, I mean, obviously you hope that it doesn't include an injury for one of those guys or something of that nature or something that's going to, you know, put kind of an obvious step back on the horizon. But uh, through 15 games this season, you have to be really happy with the progress of Dantzler and Gladney. And of course the timing of that Dantzler interception, I mean, that, uh, that's one of those traits that like you hope guys have, right? Like yeah. the Ed Reed trait where they just they sneak up on you and they make the big play when it counts. But you can't like draft that. Like you don't know like we call it ball skills, right? It's like there's there's just some guys that know where to be or may, yeah, the it factor. Um
1: because the, the interception he had a couple of weeks ago too, I think Carolina game
0: and the fourth or the Jacksonville
1: too. game maybe whichever one the game it was, but what, that was those were key moments in the game. Where the Vikings needed to play. Plays. I think both of them were in uh, the opposing, you know, defending their red zone in both of them. So like, you know, that's very positive to see. You know, Cam Dancer seems like the combine numbers kind of dropped him down draft boards quite a bit, and the Vikings are able to snatch him. I'm up still
0: there. worried about that. By the way, I, I need Dancer to put on about 20 pounds so he can play a full 16 game season. I'm still worried about that element. Um, but I I really do like his game, and I do think that you're right. If he, if he weighed 20 pounds heavier at the combine, he might have been the first or second-round pick. Um, and it seems like the Vikings got a deal on him. Now, Gladney, I think, has developed more so in the last two or three games as well, but he did not look good at all to start the year, so the progress is, like, pretty significant, I think. you, bar- you barely notice him out there. And when you do, it's because he's probably making a tackle, which is a good thing, of course. So – um, I think you have to feel really good about those two picks. I mean, Jefferson, of course, he breaks Randy Moss's reception records for rookie in Vikings history. Um, you know, he's as good as it gets. Um, you cannot ask for more uh, from a rookie receiver. You can't ask receiver. for more out of
1: a rookie receiver than what he's doing.
0: You can't really ask for more from a veteran receiver, to be honest with you. Um, he's given you everything that you ask for and more. Um, and some of these other rookies are contributing as well. I mean, I don't want to say guys like, you know, Harrison Hand or – I mean,
1: Troy Die. Troy Die has played a lot, but like it, they don't like. I don't like, think Troy Dye has been
0: very good though. They
1: don't. They don't look like it. They don't look good, right? And that's fine because they're rookies. They're mid-round right. picks. Like these guys aren't supposed to look good in the NFL yet. I think James Lynch
0: has had moments.
1: Yeah, when a couple he's played. Of good pass
0: rushing. When he's played um
1: ezra's like i i, I saw it today. It ezra's bad. graded he's graded as an above average guard right now it's still there's a couple of really really bad did you see that Chicago video game, that was circulating yeah, yeah, around
0: yeah. on Twitter where he just yeah. literally fell over oh yeah he
1: fell over yeah so like there's it's, it's there's definitely polishing to do there and you can say what you want about maybe him you know jumping off his position and him to guard moving a batch tackle but right. I think overall this rookie class looks like pretty darn solid so far there's obviously more to do but um you know, that's a positive takeaway from the bears game is that the rookies, I think in general played pretty they all well, showed up pretty well. Um, the other so, guy that I
0: want to say too, and I, because I don't think we'd other we'd ever touch on them otherwise is I think Todd Davis has been a pretty good replacement. Um, you know, you think about the obvious moments, right? The pass deflection yesterday on third mm-hmm. down, uh, looked like Eric Kendricks on that play, the, yeah, type, did. Of, the type of, you know, um, the type of coverage skills you don't expect from a replacement level linebacker. So I've been pretty impressed with him. Uh, I think that he has, you know, potential to be on the roster next year as a replacement. Like I would
1: like him to be a backup linebacker. on This
0: this is, this is what you're going to get from him as a replacement. This is what you want, right? This is kind of reminds me of like Rashad Hill stepped in like week 16, four years ago or whatever. And we're like, yeah, if this guy's going to be our spot starter, yeah, we want this. This is, Mm -hmm. this is what you can ask for. Um, that's kind of what I feel like with Todd Davis. So, and yeah, and I mean, and the, he's Jones at a disadvantage
1: well. because, like, he's trying to replace perhaps the best at his position in the NFL. So, like, right. you know, you, you can't expect Todd Davis to be Eric Hendricks or anything near Eric Hendricks. But if he can, you know, if um, things don't completely fall apart with him there, I, to a degree, I think you know, that position itself has not. I think there's other areas defensively where they probably have fallen apart completely. But it's a
0: defensive line. They yeah. need a complete overhaul. There's no
1: pass rush and there's Jalen no push Holmes, against the run. So
0: Dalen Holmes is a miss. We can, I'm I'm ready to I'm ready to say that he's a miss. Um Bow is a backup, a solid backup, but he I don't I don't think he's a starter Jaleel Johnson. League. Jaleel Johnson, I'm ready to say we missed on that one as well. Shamar Stefan, I don't understand why the Vikings keep paying him, but here we are. Um I would like to see more Armin Watts because really he's the only one in that defensive tackle spot that I've hit, seen any promise from to be, to be real with you. Like that's a real problem. I, I would go defensive line and cornerback early. Um, and I would lean defensive line now with the development of these two guys that we've just yeah. been talking about. Um, and of course the offensive line as well, which I'm sure we will spend a lot of time this off season discussing and what to, you know, how to manage the situations they have. A couple nice pieces. We mentioned Cleveland already, uh, but that was a disaster yesterday against Chicago, you know, considering that this is one of the best defenses that you're going to see in the league. Um, you got a pretty, you got pretty high efficiency from Dalvin cook. I thought he was very impressive as a runner yesterday. Um, but it, it's tough to do against this defense and, uh, the Vikings offensive line was really exposed. And I think that you have to be thinking, you know, if the Vikings end up with a top 15 ish pick, which is I unfortunately seems to be where they're going to fall. Uh, it's probably going to have to be another offensive lineman. Um, and I'm sure we'll spend plenty of time discussing that in the future. Oh, yeah. here. But um, let's talk about what there is to look forward to here in the Saints game uh, and preview it a little bit here. Kind of an abbreviated version of what we would typically do. Uh, the Saints are in, in an interesting spot. Uh, they are kind of, in my opinion, sort of backing into the playoffs. They're already in. They're going to get in. It's just a matter of whether or not they're going to win the South or not. But, uh, but they're not playing super well. The score to me against Kansas city yesterday, little bit deceiving. I know they came within a touchdown uh, to me, drew Brees not efficient. He was under 50% completion for,
1: it was bad. It was, ugly. that's gotta
0: be the first time Brees has been under 50% in 10 years. I'd say I have not, I haven't seen that personally. So they, they are backing in here and they're also without Michael Thomas, of course. So, you know, this receiving group is pretty funny, the guys that are catching the ball. It's Emmanuel Sanders in, the, like, the late stages of his career, and Lil' Jordan Humphrey was the number two target um, yesterday. And then you've also got Juwan Johnson as well, the rookie. Um, to me, I mean, this, is a, this offense has been basically gutted by injuries and issues and what have you, and to the point where Alvin Kamara has been basically overlooked for about a month now. But you've got these – Well,
1: that's been because of Taysom Hill you know, Sean Payton's obsession with Taysom Hill. Uh, there's no reason that he should have been starting the last four weeks over Jameis Winston, in my eyes. But uh, this offense is – it's very much past its prime, right? Like, we're over the hump there. Uh, Drew Brees is certainly not prime Drew Brees. Uh, I think you see that in a game like yesterday. Um, and I think – I look, I'm not scared of the Saints. I say that. And weirdly, I say that knowing the Vikings will probably lose this game, Um, but because we're not scared of the
0: Vikings either, though. Let's the Saints.
1: Well, yeah, (laughs) yeah. the The Saints are not like intimidating to me as they used to be, right? No, they're not. Um, And I mean, maybe you know, Drew Brees has never really had much success against. Is Meg Zimmer has not really like exposed Meg Zimmer in his career against the Vikings. Um, And you know, defensively, they have really nice pieces. I like the Saints' defense a lot. Um, but offensively that team, I don't, I don't feel like the saints are going to put up a bunch of points in a game, even against the Vikings defense. Maybe I'm wrong with that. This might be a cold take in six days, but, um, Drew Brees doesn't scare me. Alvin Kamara, I think is benefiting quite a bit from just getting an absurd amount of opportunities throughout this year. I guess recently, not so much with Hill at quarterback, but you know, Drew Brees checks it down to Alvin Kamara 10 times a game. That's going to improve the perception of him as a receiving back. Right. Um, even though Breeze probably is checking down too early most of the time. So stuff like that I think is just – the perception of the Saints' offense I think is much better than the reality. And I think the reality is they're very easy to beat. I think Breeze is a flawed quarterback now. um, And I think they're also injured, which is, again, I think there's reason for optimism for this game, I think, for the Vikings from that perspective.
0: Well, at this point you don't even want to win, right? Like you're out. Like just be out. Um, But – I think that if this game, you know, had the Vikings won yesterday, um, this is a very winnable game for sure. I'm going to pick New Orleans just like – we'll get out in front of that. The picks aren't for a while yet, but I'm going to pick New Orleans in this game I think they're the better overall team. But everything I say here is kind of relative to the fact that they are supposed to be, quote, a power in the NFC. You know, it's not. Green Bay. Well,
1: th- it doesn't feel like they are.
0: Objective – the record says they are, but I don't think they are either. I'm with you. I think that Green Bay is a more complete team. I'm more, sca- I'm more afraid of Green Bay – um, there are other teams in the NFC that I'm more afraid of as well, probably Seattle and L.A., even though L.A. just lost to the Jets. Like, there are plenty of teams that I'm afraid of in the NFC, and New Orleans isn't one of them, I don't think. Um, part of that is because, you're right, Drew Brees seems cooked, um, and the injuries are, you know, you take Michael Thomas out of the game, and what, what else do you have? You know, like, that, that was their entire receiving core. Traquan Smith is a nice player. Emmanuel Sanders is a nice player at this stage in his career. I mean, they've got a couple of nice young players, but really, I mean, they don't have any superstar there. They don't have no one to pick Drew Brees up, and they don't have a tight end really either. I mean, Jared Cook is fine, but I don't really care about Jared Cook. Like, I'm not afraid of Jared Cook. So, you know, like, to me, this is Alvin Kamara. It's got to be It's got to be him to beat the Vikings, and, you know, to me – He might.
1: I mean, he might. Right, yeah, he, he probably might. will.
0: But, like, to me, like, that's the only route they have right now unless Brees really steps it up. Um Here's the offense thing, like, just looks the, beatable.
1: It's, it's... – <sighs> beating the Vikings is, is not going to change an opinion on the Saints, right? No, like nobody's going to think highly of the Saints if they beat the Vikings. Um, and, I, I, you know, we're we're talking about this relative to, like you said, the Saints being a power, so to speak, in the NFC. Right? They haven't looked the part for a while. Um, and, like, I mean, like I said, if they beat the Vikings, that's not going to matter. That doesn't change the fact that they are a tier below Green Bay. They're a tier below, I'd say, Seattle right now. Um, and it's that gap between them and, you know, Tampa Bay is really closing, uh, with Tampa Bay second half against the Falcons, which was basically flawless yesterday. So, um, you know, the, the saints are, they're beatable. Zimmer has figured out scheming Drew Brees, um, over the years. Like he has figured it out and he knows how to keep him in check. Yes. Uh, the, you know, the problem is the personnel is very different. And so right. like, for example, I can see even though the saints offensive line, is kind of battered, like, they they're probably going to just run over the Vikings defensive line in this game. And so, you know, a combination of Camara Latavius Murray probably puts up a lot of points in this game or puts up a lot of yards in this game and they might not even need your breeze to do anything in this game. So uh, it's just, I, I, the saints are a good NFC team. That's how I see them. I don't think they are an elite team in this league right now. I think there's at least five, six teams combined that are better than the saints. And I don't think they're a Super Bowl team but I do think they're better than the Vikings because that's, that seems pretty obvious right now.
0: Yep. Yep. I, I would agree. that's kind of where I stand as well. They're better than the Vikings, but they're not, you know, they're not the best team the Vikings have seen this season to say the least. Um, I do think they have a nice offensive line. You mentioned that there's, you know, I know Andrew, Andrew's Pete is, a, is dealing with some injuries. Um, I think I saw my, our guy, Nick Easton was also on the injury report last week against Kansas He's been City. solid for
1: them though.
0: He has been solid. Um, uh, but Ramchek and Armstead are both studs. I think Pete, at, at when he's fully healthy, also very good. I mean, this is, on paper, one of the best offensive lines in football. Yeah. Um, it's going to create problems for a defensive line that can't do anything um, against, you know, peasants. Uh, so, well, I mean, we'll see what happens. But to me, that's really the difference here. This offensive line is going to block the hell out of the Vikings' defensive line, and that's all, that's, that's all they're going to yeah. need. That's going to be good enough. Because on the flip side here, while the offense has – completely regressed from even where they were in, what, 2017, probably being close to the peak, 2017, 2018. Um, The defense is still very good, and they have young guys that, you know, have developed on the defensive side of the ball, whereas on the offensive side of the ball, that hasn't happened as much with the one key one being Michael Thomas, and, of course, he's out in this game. But on defense, they've got tons and tons and tons of talent. You know, from it starts with Cameron Jordan up front, of course. He's the most polarizing and probably the most popular player on this unit. But on the back end, they've also got Marshawn Lattimore, who is arguably a top probably eight cornerback in the NFL. You could argue higher maybe. Janoris Jenkins, who's a very good player, Mm -hmm. gambler as well. Uh, Malcolm, Malcolm Jenkins, who's one of the best tackling safeties, one of the smartest players in the game. Marcus
1: Williams, Marcus despite Williams. the miracle play, has been right. awesome. Besides that,
0: <laughs> I mean, in in Minnesota, we we he's got a bad perception, but he's still been very very good. Uh, Quan Alexander, who's been excellent, to Mario Davis, who got ranked higher than Eric Kendricks on the top one hundred last year, by the way. So of course he's a better player. Um, and you got Marcus Davenport and Malcolm Brown, who are nice players as well. So this unit is chucked. They've got plenty of talent there. Um, and really they're combating the Vikings one real strength right now, which is their offense, um, with, you know, arguably the strongest defense in the entire NFL. Um, maybe the bears being one of the only teams that can rival this team. So that to me spells trouble. Uh, I think Mm -hmm. there's going to be interceptions in this game. Um, I think there's going to be problems. I think I'm going to see sacks. I'm going to see fumbles and I'm going to see interceptions. Um, and to me, this is kind of, this is the part of the game that makes it get out of hand. Um, this defense is dangerous.
1: See, this defense is very dangerous. I don't necessarily agree that, you know, I don't think this is a, oh, Kirk's going to turn over a bunch of times game or anything like that. I, although they're, they're opportunistic, but I think the pressure is going to be the issue. I think the Saints uh, really know how to get after the quarterback. Uh, one guy you didn't mention is Cody Hendrickson. I think it's Cody. Uh, my, that first name might not be right, but Hendrickson. Um, uh, he's been a beast for the Saints this year, getting after the quarterback, getting sacks. Um, so that's another guy to, to note, and he'll kind of rotate in as a you know situational pass down type player. And he's been a, I mean, he's given the Vikings fits before, and so and now he's kind of really emerging as a star in the NFL. So that's another guy that you know I, I don't know how the pass protection holds up against that group. That's really the concerning thing. I, I think the Vikings will move the ball. I think Dalvin will move the ball, um, but I, I just compared to what the Saints will put up against the Vikings defensive line, for example. I think it'll ultimately be just too much for the Saints. It'll probably be, you know, seven to ten point game or something like that. It's my my thought here. Like the Vikings kind of hang around for a while, but um, ultimately the the Saints are just too much uh, in the end of this game. It just – it's – the Vikings personnel is just too depleted right now.
0: I would agree. Yeah, I mean, ultimately that's what – that's really what it comes down to. It comes down to what I was saying at the very top of the show. When you look at the starter, starting lineup on defense – It just doesn't inspire much confidence. Uh, It's really, really tough to be confident against a team that, you know, even with most of these guys over the hill, no pun intended, um, you still can't feel confident trotting this defense out against an experienced quarterback. Um, That makes me nervous. The fact that this defense is loaded and is able to do damage in its own way makes me nervous. To me, there's just too many warning signs to be confident in this game. And that's to me in my mind. That's a good thing. Vikings have been eliminated. I want to lose this game now. That's that's where I'm at. I think that's completely fair as a fan. Like I want to lose this game. I want the pick now because my team has no shot. So Mm -hmm. um, ultimately, I feel like this is a good matchup. You want to play competitively, but you you want to lose. I think the Saints are definitely going to give you that. That's fully. That's my full expectation that the Vikings will play a nice competitive game. Probably blow it with something stupid. I'm guessing it's going to be a fumble, (laughs) Um, and then they're going to drop that you know they're going to lose a game and they're going to drop to six and nine and that's nice and that's going nice. to be a good thing for this team um so that's kind of where i'm at it's okay. just um you know I, I don't think the saints are good i'm with you um and when you when i will you say this
1: team, i i uh, i actually tweeted this this morning but this game gives me very uh 2010 at philly vibes right like you get the vikings are kind of you know, basically out of the playoff picture. I don't I you know, remember that game? But like the Vikings were, they went to Philly and won on a Tuesday night uh, in Philly when there was like a snowstorm that it was just mad Yada with three. This touchdown. was uh, this was no, this is in Philly. This was Joe Webb, uh, okay. the Joe Webb game. Uh, but they, you know, went in and basically manhandled Philly, who was, I believe, at the time the one seater trying to fight for the one seed NFC. Um, and so it gives me those vibes where it's like a weird game. You're got yeah, Friday game this week, national TV. Um, and, you know, the Vikings are clearly like depleted. Don't really have a chance of winning this game or shouldn't on paper based on the personnel that they're going to be running out there. And football is weird enough where something could happen. Uh, I'm not saying it's going to happen. This is just the vibes I'm feeling uh, from the game. That said, I'm still, of course, taking the Saints. So that can kind of be our transition into the picks here. But uh, I'm taking the Saints in that game just because – Uh, The Vikings are, we've talked about the personnel being depleted, uh, perhaps the worst defensive line in football uh, in terms of rush, both rushing the passer and against the run. Uh, Secondary is still extremely young. Uh, You're missing how many star players on defense and then offensively pass protection is still not great. So, and of course there's issues with uh, philosophically as well. So I'm going to get, I'm going to take the Saints.
0: Yeah. I don't know how much more there is to add to what you just said. I think you checked all the boxes there. You know, the Vikings I think are a competitive football team, but they're not a winning football team. And that's the difference here is that, you know, New Orleans may not be the best, the best in the NFC, but they're still a winning team. They're going to win, you know, double digit games. Once again, they're very well coached offensively that can kind of cover up some of the issues that you've addressed here. And, that we've, I guess, both addressed um, throughout this segment. Um, And to me, they're just, they're better. They're just the better team. And, to me, you know, Vegas is going to take the Saints here. They're also playing on the road. Um, you know, this is a situation where everything lines up for the Saints to win this game. Um, and that being said, now that we want the Vikings to win it, excuse me, want the Vikings to lose, it does seem like a situation where they just, you know, pull one out. Let's get to seven and nine. Hell, who cares, right? Um, but I'm going to take the Saints. I think they're the safe pick. That's If, if you're betting, yeah. I'm taking the Saints. Um, next one here. Staying in the NFC South versus the NFC North, and that is Tampa Bay and Detroit squaring off this week. Um, Detroit, it sounds like Matthew Stafford is playing through some pain. Uh, Tampa. He's been Bay, doing
1: that for like his whole career. <laughs>
0: <Sorry>. <laughs> it does. Uh, Tampa Bay on the flip side just played, like you said before, maybe a perfect half of football after not playing very well to start against Atlanta. It seems like they're heating up at the right time. Do They continue that against Detroit.
1: Yeah, this is mostly a pick because Detroit's bad. Uh, give me the Bucks.
0: Yeah, I'm going to take the Bucks as well. I think they are heating up, and I think that this is kind of the Tom Brady way. Uh, getting hot in December, carrying it to January. So, um, Next one here is San Francisco and Arizona. Uh, San Francisco, I believe, is also out of it now as well. Arizona trying to hang tough and potentially move up, uh, assuming Tampa Bay drops one here. Uh, so they're very much in the thick of it here. They need another win. Uh, do they get it done against their division rival?
1: Yeah, I got, the, I got Arizona. It seemed like the Cardinal offense kind of bounced back against Philly this weekend. They looked
0: really good. Kyler Murray looked really good, over 400 yards passing. Um, I'm going to take Arizona as well. I think this is um, not necessarily an easier matchup. I think that Jalen Hurts also looked really good last week. Um, But I I do think that you know this team. um, You're coming off of one where you're confident and you're feeling good. Um, San Francisco, of course, still depleted. Uh, This is a must win for them. I think they get it done. Uh, the next one here is Miami and Las Vegas. Uh, Miami really pushing for a playoff spot now. Vegas kind of trending in the opposite direction. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, but there's still opportunity here for both sides. Uh, who gets it done here?
1: Sorry. Oh, did you – sorry. I. You legged <laughs> out there. Sorry. You were legged out for like 15 seconds. What?
0: Um, Miami and okay, Las okay, okay. Vegas, who gets it done?
1: Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, give me – I'm going to take the Raiders in this one. Uh, I think the Raiders are gonna, in desperation mode and they're going to win. Sorry, that was that was completely cut out there briefly. That's, but that doesn't
0: that's matter. Good,
1: that, that is good radio right there.
0: I mean, so to give people more time to think about this matchup. I don't see a problem with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going with Miami. Uh, I love what Brian Flores is doing. I love what Tua is doing, and I really want to see him make the playoffs, so I'm going to take Miami. Um, next one here is atlanta and kansas city choker versus the best team in the nfl i think we're both going kansas city we can glass gloss over that one yes yes of course all right moving forward here cleveland and new york jets i'd say we should probably glass gloss over this one but the jets just won so we'll give them the benefit of the doubt we got in this one see
1: we said that exact thing last week about the rams and look what do you know uh how about the jets just jetsing the opportunity for the first pick uh, but they want give me, Sam
0: Darnold. Sam give me the Darnold Browns.
1: Give me the Browns. I, I feel like Stefanski won't uh, mess this one up.
0: Yeah, I'm taking Cleveland as well. Uh, no doubt in my mind. I don't. I don't feel like I need to defend that pick. Um, Indianapolis at Pittsburgh is the next one here. This could be an interesting one. Um, Indianapolis trending up. Pittsburgh they're playing tonight before us recording. Um, you have to assume they're going to get this win against Cincinnati. So this is a big one for AFC uh, positioning in the postseason. do you got?
1: I will take Indianapolis in that game. Uh, I've been kind of on this train all year that I don't think Pittsburgh is as good as their record. And I think to a degree that's also true with the Colts, but I I like the Colts a little bit better. Uh, And they can actually run the ball, whereas Pittsburgh uh, literally does not have a running game. So uh, I'm going to go with the Colts.
0: I'm going to take Indianapolis too. I don't think it's the sexy pick here. I think that Pittsburgh is probably a more flavorful offense and uh, they probably do things a little bit more explosively. And of course they've got the TikTok stars and all that stuff on, in their organization. So they're a little bit more flavorful, but Indianapolis just gets it done. Right. Like I was saying this before, they can do it at every single level. And now that running game with Jonathan Taylor looks really good. Um, Yeah. You have Phillip
1: rivers, a defense, great offensive line, Mm -hmm. a great, you know, group of running backs and receivers like, they he's he's performing things. at what his peak would be at this age in his career.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Indianapolis for both of us. Moving on here to Carolina and Washington. Uh, Washington hit a bump in the road yesterday uh, against Seattle.
1: Yeah, and They made that a game, though.
0: They did make it a game. And Haskins looked a little bit better down the stretch than he, and I think a lot of us thought. But I still think he has played himself out of Washington. Um, that being said here, they have an opportunity to rebound against Carolina, who is falling apart at the seams. So. Uh, who do you have in this
1: one? I'll take Washington. Uh, I will say this, though. Get Terry McLaurin a quarterback. Please. 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 Yeah. yeah,
0: he's over 1,000 yards already, and he's only got three touchdowns. Uh, if he had a real quarterback, someone to get in the ball a little bit more consistently, that would be nice. Uh, I'm going to take Washington as well. Um, I think they, they need a quarterback. You're right. Um, and Haskins is not the guy in my mind. I, I'm, I'm I'm done with him. I think Ron Rivera is as well. Uh, but I do think they get past Carolina this week because that defensive line is crazy. So, uh, moving forward here, speaking of crazy defensive lines, we got Chicago and Jacksonville. Uh, Talking
1: Jacks- about Jacksonville, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Um, Jacksonville, not good. Chicago needs a win. This seems like the, opp- the perfect opportunity for Chicago to get back into it here um, with Arizona squaring off against a division rival, and Chicago, in theory, having a cakewalk here. to uh, Chicago yeah. get it done?
1: Yeah, I'll take the Bears. Uh, you're going to see yet another big game for Montgomery. He's had like four in a row. Uh, yep. This is going to be another one.
0: Yeah, I'm going to take Chicago to uh, simply put James Robinson's the best asset on Jacksonville right now. I don't think he can get it done against Chicago's defense. Like, we were Mm -hmm. excited about Dalvin Cook doing it. Uh, James Robinson is literally the only thing Jacksonville has going for it, and I don't think he can do it this week. So, Chicago for me. Uh, The next one here is the New York Giants against Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, My kind of um, optimism with New York might have been a little premature, I think they're probably going to be a year away Baltimore at the, on the other hand here seems to be heating up at the right time. J.K. Dobbins looks really nice. Uh, Lamar Jackson is completing passes again. Um, Do they get it done?
1: They've kind of figured something out here last two weeks. I think Uh, I'm going to take, yeah, I'm going to take the Ravens.
0: Yeah. They're definitely the safer pick here. Um, Houston and Cincinnati, the next one here, uh, a matchup between two teams that'll probably be a lot better next year than they are this year. Uh, No Joe Burrow still. Uh, Deshaun Watson's got to be getting frustrated though. Um, what do you got in this one?
1: Yeah, uh, I'm going to take the Texans. I feel bad for Watson uh, signing that deal. And, you know, after you trade, you know, you trade away the best receiver in football probably. Uh, and, and it seems like the direction of this team is just going so backwards. Uh, but he's kind of carrying the entire weight of it to try and make it at least fun. And actually that's what two times they're going to roll now. So this Colts game and then actually the previous Colts game which was just three weeks ago or two weeks ago. Uh, they fumbled near the goal line to potentially beat the Colts. Um, I think this time it was Kiki Cutie or Cutie. Uh, I don't know how to say his name. We don't know how to do that one. The last time I believe it was one of the running backs uh, fumbled at, like, the five-yard line, uh, and they had a chance to win to eat both of those games with a touchdown. So things like that just keep happening to Deshaun Watson, and you, you're hoping he gets to the break sometime.
0: Yeah, uh, I, I think he's going to win here, though. Um, Cincinnati is terrible. And without Burrow, it's hard yep. to pick Cincinnati in anything. So Houston for me, um, definitely hope that Watson gets a better situation next season because uh, he's fun to watch, especially when, prime you know, kind of lights come on in primetime. Um, next one here, matchup between two teams in the AFC West that have been eliminated, and that's Denver and the Los Angeles Chargers. One main note here, uh, Justin Herbert going for the rookie touchdown record in this game. He's got 27 on the season I believe that's tied With Baker Mayfield's Rookie record That he said A couple of years ago um, So that's yeah. really The biggest thing here But in terms of Who wins uh, Is it Drew Locke Or Justin Herbert This week
1: um, I'm going to take Drew Locke And the Broncos I I like them more Than I probably should uh, But I'm going to I'm going to take them I think the Chargers Are still the Chargers uh, But one thing to note that, that touchdown record That you mentioned With Herbert Probably what's going To end up getting him Rookie of the year Over Justin Jefferson
0: Right you're right i was thinking about that earlier too uh it's disappointing uh, but it's you're right it's this a, a, every every award is a quarterback every every
1: rookie it. of the year you know award offensively is it usually goes to the quarterback with the best numbers uh that's yep. basically what it comes down to and whether that's right or wrong win loss record blah 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 like yep. it goes that's usually what happens
0: um, I'm going to take Herbert getting the win here too, which should only buff up kind of that claim that he's gonna yeah, be true. a defensive kid of the year. Um, I think that both these teams are probably two years away. I feel like they, they need new coaches. I, I say, this, I say this about Denver as well. I think Vic Fangio not, I don't think he's going to win you a super bowl. Um, uh, so I think they need new coaching staffs. I think some of them, they need a couple of key positional players, but like, you know, you look at like Jerry Judy's just starting to develop. You're starting to get some, you know, K.J. Hamler as well, something from your rookies in Denver. Locke looks good at times. I think there's you know, excitement on both these teams. But to me, um, you've got more more established players in the NFL on the Chargers. Um, I think they're going to get it done this week. Uh, the next one here. On paper, this one's always fun, Philadelphia and Dallas. Uh, but knowing what we do, uh, Andy Dalton's playing for Dallas, which of course just inherently kind of brings the, the vibe down here. But they are still in it because they won last week, that being said. Uh, And then on the flip side here, you got Jalen Hurts, who looks really exciting. Uh, I'm not convinced. I said on the last show that I'm not the biggest Jalen Hurts fan. Um, He did look really, really good last week against Arizona. Um, Can he do it again on an encore performance against Dallas?
1: Yeah, I'm going to take Philly. Uh, That offense looks really good with Jalen Hurts in the game. So, um, yeah, I think they marched down the field quite a bit on this Dallas team.
0: So I, I want to see Philly. Uh, because I'm brooding for chaos, like you always say in the, in the NFC yeah. East. And now you've got an interesting situation where it's Dallas doesn't have their quarterback, so they're boring to me just inherently. You've got Washington who lost Alex Smith, and we don't know if Alex, when Alex Smith will be back. You hope sooner rather than later. But they're basically not playoff competitive without him at quarterback. Uh, and then now you've got Philadelphia who has found a quarterback, or at least well, one game sample size as they have. They're the most interesting team in the NFC East right now. So I'm kind of rooting for Philly to get into it. I hate them. I hate them. And I hate their fans. Don't get me wrong. But they are the most interesting playoff matchup. And when your team's out of it, I mean, that's kind of what you're rooting for, right? It's just chaos and oh, – yeah, yeah. You, w-
1: you want the NFC East champions to have as few wins as possible. I don't know what that number actually is, but that's what I'm rooting for. And I think yeah. in this case, that means you're cheering for Philly.
0: Yep. So I'll take Philly as well. Um, next one here, another big pivotal NFC West game, uh, the Rams and the Seahawks. So the Seahawks coming off of a win, the Rams coming off of that, just disgusting loss to the jets. Uh, NFC West is still kind of up for grabs. It's a bit of an uphill battle for Seattle as far as what I've come to understand, I believe. Uh, but they're still in it. And this is a good place to, to position themselves accordingly. So do Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf get this done against Jared Goff and Sean Payton and the Rams?
1: I'm taking the Rams. I think the Rams bounce back really strongly after whatever was happened against the jets. Um, and I will say, I think they're finally using cam Akers as they probably should have the whole season. Mm -hmm. He's getting 90% something of the snaps now, which is the way it should be. Uh, I think the Rams offense will bounce back strong and and get a win here.
0: So I'm going to take, I'm going to take Seattle. Uh, I think this will be very competitive. I think this is probably the best game of the week, except for maybe the next one that we'll talk about here. Um, but I think Seattle ultimately has more experience in these situations. And that's sounds weird coming from a, you know, a team that lost the super bowl just what two years ago. Uh, But I think Seattle is more prone to winning in these situations. They just, they have that factor. Pete Carroll seems to to get it done when it matters. Um, Sean Payton has yet to prove that he can get it done when it really matters. Uh, Not Sean Payton, you know what I'm saying? Um, But uh, regardless, this is, this is a situation to me where Seattle wins Uh, late in December. um, They seem to get it done. I'm going to take Seattle here. Uh, Now, Next one here is the only game to me on this, you know, uh, this week of games that really rivals uh, that previous matchup here, and that is Tennessee and Green Bay, which is a clash of completely opposite philosophies offensively, uh, and two defenses that have their fair share of holes in them. Um, I think conventional wisdom, especially what we've been talking about on this show regarding the the Vikings in terms of efficiency, would favor the Packers here, given that throwing the ball is better than running the ball, but Tannehill looked really good last week, uh, maybe the Tannehill's best game awesome. of his career. Uh, they look very complete and getting out at the right time as well, kind of like they did last year.
1: Yeah, I this is the I think this is my favorite matchup maybe of the year. I mean, I guess the most excitement going into a week for a game that's not a Vikings game, I guess is what I mean by that. Uh, and, you know, I've been kind of a, sort of a, a fan, I guess, of Tennessee. And uh, Green Bay, for as much as me maybe don't like them, they're fun to watch, and Rodgers is on one this year. So – this is going to be a fun one. Take the over for one, but also I'm going to take the Titans just because um, that's what I want to happen. But also one thing to monitor, Derek Henry needs, I think 320 yards to get to 2000 rushing on the season. Um, he's got green Bay this week and got Houston next week. Uh, that's something that I'd never thought 2000 would be sniffed again. And now he's actually have, has a decent shot at it here. Uh, I think the Titans march it down their throats all game. Give me the Titans.
0: So I'm going to take green Bay. I'm, I want to see everything that you just said. Uh, I would love to see Derek Henry do like 200 on green Bay today, yeah. or excuse me, this weekend. Uh, now that being said, I'm going to just follow conventional wisdom on this one. The Packers are the best pa- aerial offense in the game. Basically uh, to me, that's just going to out. let just simply going to outlast what Tennessee tries to do. Um, kind of like what happened with the Vikings yesterday. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm going to take Green Bay in this one, uh, unfortunately. And then finally, we wrap up with a game that, you know, in theory had potential, but, you know, come we've come to see now that Buffalo against New England is really not a very fun matchup this year. New England is out officially, and Buffalo has won the AFC East. So um, this one is really just we're playing it for the fun, fun playing the game. Yeah. So who you got
1: in this one? Uh, I think the bills put an exclamation point on the division title and kind of, it's nice. They get to the rub it back in new England's face right away. That's uh, really the
0: only narrative going on. Right. Man.
1: Right. But also there is AFC, you know, seeding to play for here uh, for Buffalo and that I still, I, again, I'm still on that, that uh, of the belief that Pittsburgh's not as good as you know, the record says, and I think if they lose next week to Indianapolis, Buffalo then can sneak up and grab uh, the two seed in the AFC. So I'll take the bills.
0: Excellent. I'm going to take Buffalo as well. Uh, it's just the safe pick again. Uh, they're the better football team. There's a reason why they won the division in New England. Didn't also, I think Cam Newton is a one and done thing in New England. Uh, I think we're coming to the end of that, uh, little try, I suppose. Um, and I think it kind of ends with what you said, uh, the Buffalo putting you know a bow on this one and wrapping up the division against the, you know, the team that has ruled this division for the past two decades. So that wraps up our week of picks. Uh, we have not finished up the picks in week 15 yet. So I have not uh, completed that. Uh, but I know heading into week 17, we will be very close. So this is a pivotal week 16 between the two of us. Um, Final thoughts here before we wrap up the the week of shows, uh, again, because we will not be back on Thursday this week due to the holiday. Um, final thoughts on the Vikings, the NFL, sports in general, anything else?
1: Uh, no, just have a safe holiday, everybody. Thank you for listening to the show. We've actually gotten a few, you know, comments from people and, you know, saying that they enjoy listening to the show and, you know, that we, it's, you know, we kind of just sit here and and rant about stuff, and there's not much of an agenda. We just kind of sit here and talk and it seems to be working out okay. So, uh, you know, we appreciate the listening. We also want you guys to make sure you stay safe for the holidays, enjoy it as well. Uh for hopefully sure. the Vikings can bring you some enjoyment, whether you're rooting for a loss. They are or playing win.
0: Christmas. That's yeah. fun. That's yeah. exciting, it's right? It's
1: fun, it's fun, right? And we get to listen to Joe Buck, which may or may not uh you know, alienate you some of the Christmas. listeners. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh yeah, I guess that's all the, the message that I had. So, happy holidays. Merry Christmas to all of you.
0: I definitely uh, co-sign everything that Drew just said. And I want to highlight one thing that we completely missed out throughout this entire show. And it's something that we have to say because of what happened last week. And that's Dan Bailey, Bailey did not miss a kick. He's back. Vikings kicking is back. You're back. But like Drew said, have a great, have a great holiday. Um, we, we do appreciate you listening. Uh, it's nice to hear from people and all of that. And uh, we encourage you to continue listening um, as we start to dig into the off season and kind of the direction the Vikings are headed uh, for the 2021 campaign. So, uh, as always, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to your podcasts. Make sure to check out Daily Norseman as well as the Climbing the Pocket Network for other content. Drop us a line in the con- uh, comments section either on D- on DN or on YouTube, you can watch us there as well. Uh, And that's about all I have for you. So thanks for listening. And we will catch you guys after the holiday next week.